Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking with Julie Hagen. Julie is a success coach that works with high performers who are ready to break out of patterns that keep them stuck. Julie is actually a former lawyer and combines the best of Western practicality and Eastern spirituality to support you in living the life of your full potential. This is an incredibly powerful episode because Julie is a master at spotting like the blind spots and helping you to course correct. And she shares vulnerably about how she has learned these lessons firsthand in her own life. But doing this work teaches you how to trust yourself and the universe. So we talked about how attachment is truly the root of all of our suffering. We dove into what attachments, expectations, how we hold onto things that are no longer serving us. Like we literally cling onto the things that are not working for us because we don't know what's coming next. And we never know what's coming next, but that's our old patterns and what we do. We talked about the power of letting ourselves feel our emotions without judging them or shaming ourselves and actually letting our emotions be our best teachers. Julie shared the term blessings, and I love this as a reminder of how our blessings and our lessons are always combined together. And the thing that blew me away, and it comes up in this episode, but we talked about healing and how when we take responsibility for our own healing, that we can actually heal seven generations forward and seven generations back. So our job is not to force others to heal and change. It is to take ourselves as our number one priority and commit to our own healing. So I absolutely loved this episode and it really is about learning how to change your language and change your life. You're going to love it. Welcome to the show today, Julie. I'm so thrilled to have you here and to get to know you better. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. I feel like I have known you and seen you because you're such a presence in the groups we're a part of, but it's really exciting to take our relationship to the next level and really get to know each other as people. Oh, I love that. See, we've, there's so many different groups that we've all been parts of. And I knew when I saw your message come in, I was like, oh, I remember you from like from this program. And so I love that because this is how people say, well, how do you get to meet so many different people? And I'm like, you've got to put yourself into the containers where you will find more like-minded people. And that's definitely something that's come in that container. You really do. I think it becomes easy with sort of everything in your phone to isolate in a big way. And we erase a lot of organic opportunities for connection, but I found by participating in different groups and, you know, real in-person networking is one of my favorite ways to grow my business, but it's, it's like, we are relational beings and we need to be in relationship and to have one another. Mm -hmm. That is such a great point. That's such a great point. So tell everyone, where are you from? 
I'm originally from Iowa. Um, I did not grow up on a farm, but I did grow up close to a farm. And now I live in sunny San Diego. And I'm really thinking about moving to Sedona. I've kind of lived all over. Oh, good for you. Sedona is a place that I have not been to, but is on my list because there's just something beautiful about that area. It is gorgeous. And you, I mean, I'm pretty woo and they'll call it an energetic vortex, but it like it, you definitely feel a different sort of energy there in the same way I feel a different sort of energy here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So we have a lot of parts of your story that we want to dive into today, but I want to start with what is something that people might not know about you? You've already talked about the woo. You've talked about the things that you love doing. Mm-hmm. What is something people might not know about you? I am someone who can definitely be on and not in an inauthentic way. I like to make friends and connect and and be in the energy of other people, but I'm very much an introvert. I have my own energetic like practices. I need to come back to myself mm-hmm. and I almost have a tendency to like overgive all this energy I have, but I'm really not um, an extrovert and I don't gain energy from other people generally. That is so common. And there's so many people who you would assume are an extrovert until you really start to learn who they are and learn more about them. And I, I mean, I've many times people have said that I was an extrovert and I'm like, Oh no, 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 not at all. I actually know, especially when I pour into something big. So if I have a talk on stage or I have something I have learned the hard way that I need a couple of days after to like go inward, just like, okay, we're off. I'm recharging. And I've learned that. And that's the only way I can do that. I used to judge that and think that that was like, what is wrong with you? Why do you have to do that? But it's really, we've really opened up a lot of communications lately in the last few years about extrovert and introvert and how different it is. Yeah. You know, I, when I was a lawyer and when I practiced as a lawyer, going to court was, it's definitely a thrill And you see some people who litigators who just love to be in court and to, and to command that room and do the energy and the whole thing. And it's very much a thrill and I enjoyed it. And it was a mental exercise, but I would be so like drained 0% after a trial. So this, you already jumped right into the conversation, which is where I want to take you next is you talked about the woo. You talked about what you need. You talked about being an introvert. And then all of a sudden you drop in about being a lawyer and in trial. Okay. So like two of those things do not necessarily seem the same, right? Like they don't seem the same. (laughs) So we, we have to dive into this. So tell us how long were you a lawyer for and what kind of law did you practice? Three years I clerked, um, and I did corporate law. And, you know, I really like my life looks zero percent how I thought it would look at 21, 24. Geez, even before I quit, like (laughs) I quit being a lawyer at 27, 28. I'm 29 now. Yeah. Okay. Time has moved quickly for me. I feel like I act like these are lifetimes ago, but because because it feels like it was lifetimes ago and I feel like I evolve and change and grow so much in such a short amount of time. And I'm like continuously on this journey. Mm-hmm. It's so much growth. So you practiced for how long then? You said three years? Three years. Yeah. I graduated. I graduated undergrad early and went right into law school. So I was already barred by the time I was 24. Wow. Okay. Did you always know you wanted to be a lawyer or what brought you down that path? I wanted to be a doctor and this very like my competition in high school was always like, you're not going to be a doctor. You hate blood, blah, blah, blah. Very like you're right, Kyle. If you're listening to this, or you ever hear this, but um, I took a med prep class in undergrad, and you 
see things in the hospital and I saw a trauma in the ER after a car accident and oh my God, there was no way. I really wanted to actually, my best friend in high school had cancer so many times. And one time when she's undergoing treatment, we don't know like if she's going to make it, you know, her, she's bald, she's sick. She's looking at me like, she's like, Julie, I want you to go cure cancer. Well, like, what do you say to someone in that moment? Right. Oh, wow. and I was like, yes, of course. I love you. She's healthy. I just want to disclaim yeah. that she's healthy and she's in law school and she's married to a wonderful person now, but I wanted to go to law school to become a neuroscience researcher or to go into oncology or something and to cure cancer. I have letters I wrote to myself at 17, you know, about that and didn't work out. I kind of had a panic moment. My mom also had a panic moment. Like you're in school, you better figure your little butt out. Um, God love her, a little controlling. (laughs) So I sat down and made a pros and cons list of everything I'm good at and what I liked and didn't like my not strong suits. And I was like, you know what, I'll be a lawyer. It was not like a passionate, um, you know, lifelong dream. But I was always like captain of the debate team and did very well. And Brenna and I, my friend, uh, we won state debate. And yeah, we're all good. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. So it was a very logical decision to Mm -hmm. go into law school. Very logical. I I have been in my life very, very logical Mm -hmm. at times. And just you Oh, I, you're like speaking to the choir right here, because that's like, I was, I'm, I've spent most of my life being analytical and, you know, logical. And it's not, it's, it's really when I look at, like when I follow my gut decision, sometimes that's where it leads to the beautiful thing. But when you're only applying logic, a lot of times we shut down that intuitive, that intuitive hit that, Ooh, this is not right. Or this is right. How long were you practicing law for before you intuitively had that download of like, this is not what I want to do? Oh, you know, it actually, even when I left the law, okay. So the leaving the law was kind of a crazy story, but even when I left it, I didn't think I was like leaving it. I left because I was just very unhappy in like the type of law I was practicing, the environment, Um, a lot of what you hear about negative reputations about lawyers and misogyny in the old boys club, unfortunately, in my experience was true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was partying too much to sustain the lawyer lifestyle. Like I was just not in a good place. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to move to California and take up a job with a special education law firm because I thought that type of law would be more invigorating for my soul. I thought it was like maybe a mismatch in type of profession. And so I came out here and I didn't get the commitment letters and things with the firm. They didn't anticipate for the pandemic, right? So the pandemic happened and the firm didn't open. And I was kind of like left with nothing, but I had just taken the bar, which I passed in Barney, California. And yeah, I was like, what am I going to do? Like I had hinged my entire existence on, you know, being this lawyer. I was so scared during the pandemic. I moved back home to be with my mom because I could not see myself surviving in a tiny apartment in overcrowded California. I need my land and like the whole thing. And I was listening to this podcast that I always listen to and said, if you ever felt like maybe you wanted to be a coach, you should at least apply to get certified. And I was like, you know what? I have people have always texted me when things were going on and come to me for certain things. It was just one of those intuitive hits. I followed it and I got certified and I became a coach. So there wasn't like this aha moment for me where I was like, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. But there have been moments where I realized I need to go, you know, I I needed to go full time in my business and, and let that part of me go. And I have, and that's a big shift and I might come back to it someday, but yeah. 
Wow. So, so just in the time of the pandemic is when you have not been practicing as a lawyer and you've embraced this coach, the coach side of you now. Yeah, I quit my job, my mm-hmm. great job in November of 2019, Yeah, moved to California and then the pandemic hit, right? So I just finished the bar. I literally just taken the bar. My mom was coming to visit because she hadn't been here yet. And we were going to celebrate the fact that I had taken the bar and then shut down. Everything yeah. changed. Wow. So since then, what kind of coach are you now? Like, what do you do and to support clients? I love to coach high performers and entrepreneurs or those looking to make a jump into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And it's really a business of a combination of business and life, because I do believe your energy is everything. Your energy is your currency. So I can give you all the practical strategies and I can support you in implementing them. And we do do that, right? Like the time tracking and everything else. Um, but the biggest shifts really come with not only your your mindset, but also a somatic integration of those learnings, right? Because I'm I'm also facilitate holotropic or transformational breath work. Mm-hmm. So when we can combine some big shifts in how my clients think and manage themselves and and their time and their beliefs, and we can like integrate that with a body with a breathwork practice or with any sort of somatic practice, that's when real change happens. And that's when the energetic upgrade happens. Um, and things flow from there, but I work with everyone from like a multimillion dollar real estate investor who I love and, you know, is always there to support me. Um, so if you're listening, cause we have a confidentiality thing, but he knows who he is. Um, I yeah. love you. Thank you for always being there for me. Um, but I also work with people who just feel like, you know, my life, something just isn't working. There's a pattern here that isn't good. My boundaries are not what they should be. I feel scattered. I feel stuck. So I know a lot of people really say like niche down and get super clear on this person. But for me, it's like, if you see me and you like my energy and what I'm saying and the feeling is right, like Mm -hmm. let's work together. Okay. So I love this because much like you, I, there's room for everybody. I always say that. Um, I don't necessarily believe in zoning into the specific niche person who is like, you know, 30 to 35 years old. And I, I don't personally, because, um, it's just, it's never spoke to me and I never really understood why. And I'm sure there's going to be people who hear this and say, no, that's wrong. But what I do believe is, is that as humans, we are so much more alike than different. So the more we can share who we are and be like, be vulnerable, share our stories and our experiences, then the pain, the emotion, the experiences we've walked through, we can find similarities, like people, we can find people who can experience those things who are looking for support with those things, but they can be any age bracket. So like in my one program, I've got people who are in their twenties up to their six, up to 65 plus. So it's not an age bracket. It's an experience in that they're looking for support in X, Y, and Z and those feelings. So I love, you know, as you said, all of the things there, like breaking patterns and boundaries and, you know, scattered mindset, that can be a whole host of different jobs and backgrounds that are impacted and can feel those feelings. Well, it's interesting. I've gotten great feedback. This is how I know it works for me. And I hear you when people might say it's wrong or right. I really don't subscribe to that at all. I think there's a wrong and right for every person. I don't think there are universal rules like that. And people have been saying to me, because I do like, I market things more about feeling like, are you feeling this? And would you like to feel that? And people are like, this is me. This resonates like close friends of mine have, have come to me and said that to me recently. And that's how I know I'm on the right path. Cause I want someone to identify 
with the feeling, not think, oh, because I'm a man or because I don't make enough money or whatever else, I can't work with Julie or with Marsha or anyone else. Exactly. And it's it's funny because I've even, I mean, up until very recently, I've primarily worked with women and not because I've not connected with men, but I just hired my first, or I was just hired one-on-one for, with a male who is like changing. And and I don't even have a lot of one-on-one clients, but he's an ideal client. I went, okay, so let's just not even say anymore. It has to be women because it doesn't have to be. And I think that's a powerful thing, but these patterns that you're talking about, I mean, everybody can relate to that in all, in all aspect of their life. But really, if you resonate with how Julie is speaking or how I speak or how a coach speaks, that's a sign for you that that is, they're saying something that hits home for you. So something you said there, and I love only because I want to dive into more of this and explain it, have you explain it is the breathwork piece. So I started using an app recommended by Coraline and um, it is all on um, breathwork and there's all these different breathwork exercises. I couldn't believe how hard it was in the beginning. I was like, I, I could not believe, like, I know this sounds really silly if you've never tried it and you're listening, but like, you know, as you're doing, there's all different kinds of breath work exercises on them. But one of them, you know, as you exhale and you get down towards the bottom of the exhale and you have to hold where you were not inhaling, it was amazing how my body was like, nope, got to breathe. Gotta. It was my reactions were so it was, it was just, I have to laugh at myself, but what I'm saying is, is like, I'm just coming up of celebrating like a hundred times I've been doing this. I've been tracking it. I cannot believe how powerful it is. So I do want to ask you more about the breath work. And even like, I tend to go way too much information, but I tend to go to bed before my husband. And so I have this breath work I practice before I go to bed. So there's a couple of times in the last week that he comes to bed with me and he's like, what is that? And I'm like, it's my breath work. If you don't like it, you can come to bed in about 20 minutes, (laughs) but this is what I do. And I cannot believe the difference it's made for me personally. So I would love to learn more about the breath work and what you're, what you're referring to. Okay, cool. Wow. I'm really excited. This is my, this is my jam. Where to begin? I do want to really congratulate you on a hundred times and to affirm for you, I always tell my clients, whether it's a private or a group facilitation, breath work is simple, but it's not necessarily easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a variety of reasons for that. One being, if you just want to look at the evolution side of it, right? We are really primed to always be careful about things that are scary or might potentially hurt us. And we fear things that are unsafe. We perceive as unsafe and we perceive things we don't know as, as unsafe. And breathwork causes a lot of feelings that we're not used to, right? And the, the breathwork I facilitate is forced hyperventilation, essentially. And mm-hmm. so our body starts to not feel safe in it. And more so than that, whether you want to call it your monkey mind, your ego, anything, it's sensing that something is coming and it wants to protect you from that because it feels unsafe, because it is unknown. Mm-hmm. And so it wants to stop us from doing that. But but breathwork, I'm so drawn to breathwork. I was really interested when I was studying neuroscience, the mind-body connection. And there's so much scientific evidence out there. And I'm I'm very science-based. I come from a science background. Everything I practice and facilitate, there, there are, you know, you can't explain everything, but there are strong foundations and roots in science. And there are so much evidence to connect the trauma and the emotions that we store in our brain and that having a component and a piece in our body. Mm. So when people go through trauma, a common 
side effect is dissociation from your body to remove yourself from your body to depersonalize and create some space and create some safety and sort of a bubble around that trauma and what happened, even if it's not a physical trauma like abuse, physical abuse. So what happens in breath work or any somatic practice, whether that's yoga, some people love to work out, is we release and we move the stuff energy around those traumas, around limiting beliefs, around negative thought patterns and patterns of behavior. And when we finally release them from our body, we truly are free of them. And what so many people miss is just mindset work. And mindset work is great. And I do mindset work. But Oh, one thing you said earlier that I absolutely love that I wanted to come back to is you said, we're recently opening the conversation of extroverts and introverts. And we're also really opening the conversation of masculine and feminine and everything Mm. is duality in this world. There's not anything that is just one or the other. And in the same sense, it's about creating balance between your mind and your body. And so breathwork allows you to somatically release these experiences and move that energy. There's yeah, you just absolutely. I love that. So Adding on to that, why is breathwork so powerful for men, women out there, like building businesses, putting themselves out there, like always paying it forward to someone else, like always put it, which is fantastic, right? Like, don't get me wrong, but it's really allowing us to focus in on what do we need? How do we slow this down? Like I've even got a couple of three and four minute ones that I do. And when I feel anxiety come up. I'm like, no, whoa, what's that feeling? And then it's like, no, give myself three or four minutes. I can't believe the difference that three to four minutes makes. So I just want to dive in a little bit deeper as to how this practice can benefit so many different people. So I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure what you practice every single time. The reason the breath work I facilitate is so powerful is for a couple of reasons. Um, it's all out uh, in and out through your mouth, um, that forced hyperventilation. And so what's happening essentially is we're stimulating DMT production in our bodies, which happens naturally, right? When you sleep, when you're born, when you die. And there's a cool documentary, if anyone wants to watch it called DMT, the spirit molecule. Um, but it is a very powerful substance that naturally occurs in our body. So I tell people you're getting high on your own supply. Mm-hmm. Um, and it produces intense feelings of euphoria, you blit, uh, euphoric bliss. And if you can set an intention with it, which is what I do when I facilitate, you can have big breakthroughs, clarity moments of this is what I should, what I could be doing that would be most supportive in my business. How do I move forward from this situation? And that feeling of bliss is really giving back to yourself when you're such a giver, when you're, you know, an entrepreneur and everything else. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for that. So do you do this with your clients or is this um, something that you also do like breath work sessions online? Like how do you facilitate it best? So I have, I recently created a product where you can buy it and you can, I take you through it obviously, but it's not live. Um, yeah. I do do private sessions either virtually or live. And I recently made breathwork a component of all of my um, one-on-one clients and their work. And I'm creating a breathwork group coaching program. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking around like limiting beliefs um, or or stored traumas. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. That's fantastic. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. So now we've had pandemic come in. You are embracing the um, new area that you are working in. You're combining breathwork with it. Has it been a smooth, easy road the whole time or how has the experience been for you? Oh my God, no. 
entrepreneurs. I love the real. Like, I love the real. Thank you. Go. Uh, hell no. Um, entrepreneurship <laughs> is like the hardest thing you're ever going to do in your life. It brings up so many edges and illuminates so much for you. There have been moments of huge bliss and there have been moments where I just wanted to throw in the towel. I felt overwhelmed and like I was being judged. Like I come from a small town in Iowa. I mean, it's not small for Iowa, but if you don't think some people back home think I'm that, you know, crazy, like bonkers, like you're wrong. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And there's just have to be moments where like, I have to trust so deeply in my work and my mission and who I am and my soul and, and just know this is what I'm meant to be doing. It's not easy, but my God, does it call you forth? right? Like you have to be a steward of your own energy and peace and everything else as an entrepreneur. You definitely do. You definitely do. It was actually, I had a call with one of my coaches this morning and it didn't take long in the call before I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all X, Y, and Z for everyone else. And now I'm forgetting, even though my self-care practices are non-negotiable and important, I've kind of been like skipping, you know, shortening it and getting like, just not giving it the time and energy that it deserves. And that's a practice that I continually come back to. It's just something that it's like, okay, Marcia, come on, you know, this doesn't work this way, but it's just second nature because you get into serving and helping and building your business and doing all the things, but at all times we are our business. So how we take care of ourselves is how that internal, like how we reflect on that and the practices that we do is going to show up in the external world as well. Yeah. That's been really hard for me recently, just making some tough choices and and seeing some things and knowing that your external reality is a reflection of your internal state and the things that weren't working in my personal life or how I allowed people into my energy, I truly believe has been part of why I felt stuck with not necessarily feeling like I had the right offers or always feeling like I could show up in my business. And it was like, no, I, I had to make some tough choices. Okay. So thank you for saying this, because just to recap what you've said, that when we're in a state in our own personal life, that things might be going on and we're maybe not feeling grounded in the whatever position or whatever we're in, that that internal reality is reflecting back out. And then all of a sudden in our business, it's like, am I making the right offers? And we start doubting and we are, are start feeling like, is it right? Is it wrong? What am I doing? And all of a sudden now we're in this space of like, oh, can I actually do this? Like, I don't even know. Like the doubt just climbs like crazy. So can you give a tip or a lesson for somebody and share who's listening? How do you stop, slow down and go internal to recognize that, okay, wait, it's not that my business is tanking and that everything is wrong over here. But I actually have to stop and look and go, what am I doing internally? And what is this trying to tell me here? So what's coming up for me so strongly right now, and maybe this isn't exactly what you're looking for, but I think one of the hardest things that comes up when we can recognize that something gets to change, it's important for that thing to change. And actually that thing changing is most of service, not only to ourselves, but also to like the collective good. Mm-hmm. The thing that really stops people is this feeling of like, but I don't want to let that go. And at some point that does feel good and I want it and it's a scarcity thing and it's a fear thing and it's all the things and it's probably genuine as well. 
you know, a genuine love for that person or that habit or whatever else. But something I've been telling myself and that I really get to tell a lot of my clients is like something better is always coming. And that's not to not be grateful for, for what's around us, but attachment truly is the root of all suffering. And when we get so attached to a person thinking we'll never be loved like that or understood like that or seen or held, or we feel like we need to have the food because that comfort is so, so important to us or, or any other thing that isn't serving you, what we're actually doing is cutting off whether you believe in God, source, universe, we're cutting that off from blowing our minds because something better is always coming. And that can be incredibly hard when we lose someone, when someone passes and we can never replace someone, but know that there's always more joy and more bliss to be experienced in the world. And by clinging so tightly to something that no longer is serving you in this moment, you're stopping yourself from that joy. That is so powerful. So something better is always coming. The other one, attachment is the root of all suffering. It really is. And we, like, I can't even tell you how many times the word like expectations, attachments come up in with my clients and myself, like totally with myself. And so what does attachment mean? Attachment to me is, is, is control, right? It's trying to force to what degree something is or isn't in our life and allowing its presence to dictate our own internal state, which we also always have ultimate control over and can shift. Wow. You're dropping some major, like just some major bombs here that I absolutely love. So how do you bring yourself back to this state when you feel yourself like you personally? When you feel yourself like, I am not grounded in who I want to be right now. This something is off. Something is not working. How do you bring yourself back to that state? First and foremost, I let myself feel it. And that has been a really challenging thing for me to to do. And I used to have a very intense experience of anxiety. Um, Mm -hmm. But allowing myself to really feel whatever it is, like in all its depths, whether it needs to be crying or be angry and shout or just to feel weird and to notice that I'm feeling weird and to say, okay, I'm, I feel it. weird. <laughs> yeah. Not judge it. Yeah. Yeah. Not judge it because when we can, yes, not judge it, when we can fully feel our emotions and not judge ourselves as right or wrong or good and bad as having them, when we can let our emotions be teachers and to ask, what is this here to show me? What is this here to guide me toward? What am I experiencing? And for what greater purpose? That is, that's when actually you create space around it, when you can be a neutral observer of your experience Mm -hmm. and and you can glean your insights as my best friend calls it, the blessings, the blessings and the lessons. And that's when the feeling actually moves. But when we avoid or numb or do something else, we are like growing a weed essentially in our body. And it gets a lot harder to pull the weed out when the roots get so deep. Isn't that the truth? Like, isn't that, and for, we think about it like subconscious. So I talk a lot about on the show because I did my NLP certification last year and really starting to understand the power of our subconscious mind and how it is responsible for like 95 to 99% of our like values, beliefs, decisions. And so when we're only working in our conscious state up here and trying to force a decision to happen, that's not how it works. So it's not long lasting. 
when you speak about roots, we've got, you know, for some of us, those limiting beliefs and those doubts or those feelings that we've had, we've had a whole lifetime to grow those roots. They, we didn't just have them. They're there because we've built them over the course of our life. And we're taking them on from past, you know, past generations, right? I see so many of patterns or beliefs or things that I can observe in my grandma that I see from my mom. Oh, I, trust me. It's actually, it's, it blows my mind the more I learn about this and just how, you know, there's a point where this is going to get really woo woo if you're listening and I'm going to be wrong on this stat because I'm just remembering hearing this a couple months ago that there's a point like when we were in the womb, there was a point right there where we are literally carrying like multiple generations of trauma. We're actually in contact with at that point. So we are experiencing and we take on things that aren't ours. They, they, they aren't ours. They never were ours, but we take them on because we've experienced that. And epigenetics will show us that when we heal, we don't just heal ourselves. We heal seven generations back and seven generations forward. Oh, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go back into this. So seven generations back and forward. So somebody said to me a few years ago, it was really powerful, but she said, you know, have you ever felt like your journey has just been heavy and hard? And I'm like, oh my God, yes, it has just been, yeah. Uh-huh. Like it was like, I did not sign up. I used to joke all the time. I'm like, I got on the wrong bus. I do not know where I made this turn, but everything feels like it's been challenging. And she said, that's because some people come here to literally break generational curses and I was like, what does that even mean? That sounded really strange. And as she started to explain it more, I was like, oh, I could see it because with my own personal story, I feel like by breaking some of the generational curses that have been there, that has allowed us, myself, my family to have a relationship with our kids that had I taken the old way of handling it would have never worked because they wouldn't be enough. Like, does that make sense? Like it's this whole generational, it's, it's changed everything. I'm a totally different person. I know I am. And so that's that piece, but you're saying now when we make those changes, it can be seven generations back and seven generations forward that we create change. Yeah. So when I first started my journey, I really wanted my mom to change. Oh yeah. And I really like, I blamed her for a lot of things and, and so, so much stuff. And and what I tell clients, what's coming up for me now is a client who really like a struggle for hers was relationships. She really wanted to be in a romantic relationship and found herself in like a big attachment, anxious attachment style. And, you know, that's very repelling and whatever else. And she wanted to like do the work to almost sort of like energetically, not manipulate, but like influence men, you know, because we are always energetically influencing people around us. And I was like, Sarah, you don't do the work for yourself or you don't do it for the people you do it for yourself. And when you do the work, you are literally contributing to humanity. But I found that the more I do my work, I don't know if my mom actually changed. Like, I don't see my mom's habits as different. I don't see her, you know, reading the books I would have loved us to read together or going to therapy or anything else. But I believe as I change, she reaches different points without having to do like necessarily the heavy lifting and our relationship is so much better. And I'm not saying like I magically fixed my mom. I know it's because I changed how I expected things from her and communicated with her and interact with her. But I do feel that and I do feel it and know it in my body that my healing is of service to my family. And whether or not I choose to have kids, like my my 
my lineage in whatever way will be impacted. And the people around me are impacted by the work that I do. Like everyone's work doesn't just affect them. It literally affects everyone around them, but definitely our biological bonds. That is so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Seriously, like I have goosebumps when I think about that. And I've seen it firsthand, that ripple effect and how far that can reach. And it will reach places that you couldn't even imagine. Like you couldn't imagine how far that ripple can go. I also think that that is even more powerful when we learn to let go of the attachment or expectation that I wish they would just change. Like that's all of a sudden it's like you, it, it, it's like it amplifies it even more when you learn how to let go of that piece. Yeah. At a certain point, right? Like my mom was never at the point where I felt like I needed to cut her out of my life, but it's either make a decision to love and integrate this person into your life to whatever degree is healthy for you and just accept them for who they are. Or if like in my recent scenario, they don't need to be in your life. And I didn't feel like it was of service for them to continue being in my life. Like let them go for yourself. Thank you for saying this. And I, if you would just share a little bit more the difference between the two. So I know like we're not going to, we've got wounds and scars, right? So we don't need to pick at wounds while we're all healing. But as you just just shared there, there is a distinct time where it's like, no, I can still love and respect and bless you. You can still be in my life, but I do not need to take on whether you have changed or not. And there are times where it's like, no, I actually, this has to end because this is not good for me or for either of us. The difference between the two, anything you want to share there? I mean, it's, it's tough, right? Cause there's no, again, I don't subscribe to right or wrong and I don't claim to know anyone else, what anyone else should do. I don't take on that as a coach and I don't think that's what coaching is. Um, And I know both these people genuinely loved me and are doing the best with what they have. But for, for my mom, there was just so much there. And I I trusted myself to be able to like, if she takes on a certain phone tone on a phone call, I can say, okay, I'm going to let you go. And Mm -hmm. I can like, let it go. And I can practice non-attachment and non-reactivity and like, let her experience whatever she's experiencing. But, you know, I'll say what I truly believe. And this was a romantic partner that like your romantic partner should be someone who's making your life. Like it should be your refuge, right? Your seal team six, your respite and your exhale, because life is hard. Uh And this person did not feel like that for me. And I believe I can't change who my mom is. I believe I made many soul contracts with my mom to come back and to do this with her. And I think we've had different, I know we've had different relationships and different lifetimes, I ain't getting rid of my mom, but I can choose a life partner who doesn't bring me so much stress. Mm. And to me, it's just like, pick your battles and know that I'm sure it's really hard to cut off your parent. I've, I've never had to do that. Um, but know that like your piece is important. And if there's like, you can't navigate or don't feel equipped or just like, can't right now, maybe even figure out how to have someone in your life in a way that doesn't destroy or ruin your peace. And like, please know that it's safe to even take a break. It doesn't have to be forever. Mm-hmm. I think we feel like it has to be this big thing. I'm never going to do it. And then we create the strawman story. Take your break, take your space. But if this person doesn't need to be in your life, first of all, trust that everyone deserves a SEAL Team 6. But like, <laughs> they don't best. need to be in your life. Move on. 
<laughs> I, I, I seal team six. I just like, okay, tell me what a seal team six is in detail. Just so people who are listening, if they don't know. So when I say that, what I mean is like, there's a different kind of bond when people go through like tactical training together and, you know, they enter some sort of service and like service is a, a bond and a brotherhood. And I'm, I'm not, I've never served, but I, I have lots of friends who have. And when you're on a team with someone, you know, whether or not it's like <laughs> the Navy SEALs, that person is part of you. You don't leave them behind. And when things come up, like you fight for them and you're protecting each other from the outside world. And too often in relationships, it feels like, you know, at least the relationship for me, and I see this in, in people's relationships and I want them to embrace the SEAL Team 6. Um, but it shouldn't be like you're fighting against each other, right? Like life is hard. Lots of things are going to come your way in life. And you need to have that person who, if you, you know, turn a corner, they're spotting you to make sure nothing's coming your way and they will have your back and they will never leave you behind. And you trust that like your bond is even greater than a wedding ring or a piece of paper or anything else. Like your bond is your integrity is your life. And that person will be there for you no matter what. Oh, that's so beautiful. Honestly, I absolutely love because I can even think about right now. I have a few friends in my corner that they are definitely sealed team six. Like I could call them at any time and be like, okay, I need this. Or can you help me with this? And they'd be like, yeah, be right there or jump on the phone like that. But I would be the same for them. And I think that I, I they're like your ride or dies. I don't know where I would be without them. I don't. Yeah. And I know a lot of people think, well, that's nice for you that you have that, but I, I didn't have it years ago. I didn't at all. I was actually complete. I had, I walked away from a lot of relationships because everything around me was toxic, but I was toxic. To be honest, I was very yeah. toxic person. So I'm a very different person now. And that required walking away and then rebuilding that circle and say, this is what is okay with me. And it's not just romantic partners. Like, that's what I'm thinking of. That was my situation, but it is the people we surround ourselves with. Mm -hmm. And that saying is so cheesy about you are who you spend the five people you spend the most time with, but it's also really true. So true. So what are the best ways for people to connect with you? You work one-on-one primarily with clients, but you're looking at starting a group program too. Like what's the best ways for people to connect with you? I love one-on-one work. I think I'll always have other offers, but like, I know I'll always have my one-on-ones. I know it's such a powerful container. I absolutely love it. You know, we do our weekly calls, we do boxer support, but there's just so much transformation available. And I love honing in with someone and like having a conversation like this and just really, really digging deep. But I recently, I think it's coming out today, um, but I'm going to host a microdosing masterclass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to open up a microdosing group program, which is going to be really powerful. And I'm so freaking excited about it. And then always breath work. Yeah. Always, always breath work. Okay. So backing it up for a second, microdosing program. Can you explain? Yes. Yes. So I would really recommend everyone go read the book, how to change your mind, um, by this amazing author who has done a lot of other, like very scientific, you know, he's a researcher, intellectual writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about, uh, psychedelics, particularly psilocybin yep. and how it does change your mind, how it affects your mind. Um, I have done my own microdosing journey. I've read a lot of books and I've created this program, a supported microdosing journey. Um, and it's so amazing how many things this can help. So, um, 
Paul Stamets, who is the protocol that we follow, the Stamets protocol in, in my program, he used to have a terrible stutter. And he accidentally took a bunch of psychedelic mushrooms as a young boy and got caught in a storm. He has a crazy story. And his stutter is gone. And there has just have been so many things that have happened for this man. And he really attributes it to, to mushrooms, but not just psilocybin. Like mushrooms are an amazing force. Um, Fantastic Fungi is a great documentary to go watch there. Fungi is the largest like living organism on this world. And what happens when you, when you microdose and you do so intentionally in a guided way, you can create new neural pathways. You can overcome your experience of anxiety. You can rewrite your story. You can experience greater um, creativity, feelings of bliss, elevated state, connectivity. It's so, so powerful. And I am really excited to, to guide people into that. I also used to be someone who experienced a lot of anxiety, has been on Prozac and done, you know, all of the, the natural healing as well. And microdosing has been a powerful part of my journey. This is this, I have to say in all honesty, so it's, it's now April, um, this little error in May is that microdosing has probably come up about a half a dozen times since January. I've had, so it's, it is something you're hearing more and more about, but I have to say that this is new to me. And as you mentioned this book, so how to change your mind, I'll make sure it's in the show notes. Like I just quickly looked it up while it was, on, I don't know how I haven't heard of it, but it's cause I actually have got like this audible account where I keep track of the books that I want to look at and that like the ratings and reviews, like it's got a ton of, so I can't wait to take a dive into that. And I love that, that you're doing this and offering it. That's like, what a wide range of things that you do, but they all complement each other. Yeah. You know, I have a other side of my business where I lead corporate retreats, like executive teams by over the border in Mexico. And then there's like a, a wine tour at the end of it. And I also do corporate trainings, right? Cause I definitely have a corporate mind in a lot of ways, but all around leadership, emotional intelligence and communication. But I love what I do. I have definitely different facets. Like the breath work is very different than my training on like organizational behavior. <laughs> I, I like it all. It's all me. Well, but this is like, no wonder you're like, no, I don't want a specific niche because look at like, if you love the things that you're doing, then you, I would say you can't screw up being you. You can't screw up being you if you choose to just let that be seen and all of the different aspects. When I, in 2017, when I first released my solo book, I said, I'm going to start my podcast and I'm going to release the book. And I think it's going to lead into coaching somehow. I cannot tell you how many mentors are like, no, you can't do that. You have to pick one thing and only do it. I'm like, I don't want to do one thing. I want to do multiple things. And they were like, no, you absolutely can't. And I'm like, yes, I can. And it was just this, this knowing that I felt like the podcast was part of what I was supposed to do, even though it didn't make logical sense to people. I think you do have to follow that gut and let yourself follow down the path that you feel like you're being led to. Yeah. You yeah. just, it is whoever, whatever's true for you. And in your essence, like it should come through and God loves people who give advice. But I always say to my clients, cause you know, I'll say, you can try this, this, and this, but take what works, leave what doesn't because only, you know, what's right for you. And there is no right besides that. Right. Right. No, I love that. Absolutely love that. Okay. So as we are starting to wind this down, um, I've loved this conversation. I love that it went into so many different directions that I never even saw coming, which I, I love. This is the whole point of being organic, right? We talked about this. So the best place, where do you hang out the most? Oh, you can find me at Julie Savone, C-Y-V-O-N-N-E on Instagram. 
that's definitely where I like to be. But I also, my website is just juliesavone.com. So you can come see me and what I'm about. Um, but definitely send me an email or reach out on Instagram. I, I love to have conversations and I'm always open to discuss these things. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. And I have so many things that I need to go look up now because I'm just like so intrigued, which I love. Like this is the whole beautiful thing about podcasting and the people that you get to meet. I have one last question for you and it is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Oh, um, my dad passed away when I was little. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't think it was going to make me so emotional. Um, And last year I sat with ayahuasca for the first time and I've always felt like my dad is still with me, but like this world is so much more connected and like more than what you can see and energy never leaves. Like it's always with you. Wow. Yeah. Connectivity. We're all connected. So be kind everyone, because when we're kind to someone else, we're really being kind to ourselves. And when we're unkind to someone else, that's also a reflection and back to us. That was an absolutely beautiful share. Thank you so much. I like, you could just, you can feel your heart. Seriously. Oh, <laughs> you can feel your heart right through the screen. And I'm so grateful that we've had this time together. I know this is like an absolutely packed episode. I thank you for everything that you have shared and for letting us spend some time in your energy and your heart today. Thank you so much. This was so fun. I didn't think this conversation would go really anywhere that it went, but I loved it all. <laughs> this <laughs> was great. Pleasure. You're such a good facilitator. I was sending you lots and lots of love. So grateful for you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.